God, there were a lot of people that were reaching out to me for the first time in my life, random people from around the world. That was kind of a light bulb moment because we had a lot of people that were interested in investing. One of the founders that was showcased on the My First Million pod closed like a 400,000 pre-seed raise within three weeks of going on the pod. Welcome back to another episode of Recess, the unfiltered podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs. Today we have someone that really embodies the spirit of entrepreneurship, Bobby Housel. Jacob and I met Bobby through Luke Clancy. So Luke, who's been on the pod before, is creating the entrepreneurship ecosystem along with Aiden Murphy at the University of Illinois. And Bobby has successfully done this at the University of Michigan and was kind of a source for inspiration for Luke. So Luke, what, he cold DM'd you or something on LinkedIn, was it? Or Twitter? Yeah, I think he ripped a cold LinkedIn message my (laughs) way after we went on the My First Million pod. Yeah. So yeah, you guys went on that podcast that we love to listen to. And so then we met all of your boys at that retreat in Michigan. You were studying abroad, unfortunately. And so finally get to meet you in person this week. But you were creating something extraordinary, and I want to hear all about it on the podcast. So talk a little bit about what got you interested in entrepreneurship um, and why you're trying to build a community around it. For me, it started in high school, actually. Uh, believe it or not, my high school had a whole dedicated entrepreneurship program where they would teach kids as early as like first, second grade what it meant to be an entrepreneur. So get your little lemonade stand, get your popsicles, stand out inside of the road and just start selling. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty neat, but I never actually really engaged. I was at the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade, and when I came into high school, my guidance counselor that I get assigned was a successful founder. He had sold, I think it was hard tech um, in maybe like the early 2000s that had at least one or two successful exits and was at a point where it was just like, what do I do now? Might as well start teaching entrepreneurship to kids. And so he created this institute out of my high school. It's now since expanded to schools across northern Ohio, and I think they're trying to go even further And when I landed in his sponsor group my freshman year, he was like, hey, I know that you have no idea what this word entrepreneurship means, but I get a feeling that you would really find it interesting. So they're on an application. It's a four-year program in high school. You're going to have to start a company, but I think you're going to love it. And if you don't apply now, like it's, it's over. You can't apply later. And I was like, all right, sure, I'll give it a go. And it's probably like one of the better decisions I've made in my young adult life because it really changed. At the time, I loved to write. I still do. I thought I was probably going to study English or maybe psychology in college because uh, those things that I still to this day find fascinating. But I had no context for business whatsoever until I took that leap of faith and wound up joining that community. So that's kind of where it all started. Uh, and then I wound up starting to come in high school and realized that I wanted to keep studying it at college. Interesting. What was the company? So I was dabbling on two things in high school. Uh, one was a software company that was trying to connect people that were playing pickup sports. So it was very much like a classic high school company. It was a B2C software app. And the thesis was I was trying to play baseball in college, and so I had to stop playing the other sports. So I used to play basketball, tennis, golf, et cetera, and I locked in, as so many high school athletes do, just on baseball. And when I did, I just started to miss playing basketball. So I would try and go to like the local park and just play hoops, find a bunch of people to hook up with, and could never find enough people to substantiate a game living like an hour outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And I was like, damn, this is a bummer. Why can't I just spawn into the court and know where people are playing? Uh, so the whole thing was basically knowing before you go and be able to intelligently match yourself with people in the area so you could play, pick up basketball, pick up soccer, pick up baseball, whatever. Because not everyone wants to join a league. Not everyone has the time, money to join a league. You literally just want to be able to look at your phone and figure out where you want to go play. So I worked on that for a while. Uh, I got like, I don't know, 20K in non-dilutive funding, but at the time didn't know what to do with it, didn't know how to code. So 
I dumped it into a media company, started doing photo video production, which I was like, actually started to make money, uh, which was cool. And then just fell in love with making stuff from, uh, from like a camera perspective. So you get into college now and then what happens? What's kind of the entrepreneurship difference from a school you went to where it's all about it, kids are doing it first, second grade to now college? Yeah. Well, I went to business school under the assumption that it was going to be like what I experienced in high school because all I knew about business in high school was entrepreneurship. I didn't know what we were talking about this, but I didn't know what consulting was. I didn't know what investment banking was. I just thought that business was entrepreneurship. I thought they were one and the same. And so I get to business school and then I find very few people that are interested in building companies like I am. In fact, I joined a business fraternity, which again, I'm under the presumption that it will be a bunch of people like me that want to start companies. And it turns out that that's not the case. They're amazing people, people I'm still very close with, but we don't necessarily see eye to eye when it comes to like early career steps. I think there's a lot of people that maybe aspire to build companies later on, but at least in the short term, that's not of interest or um, not on their horizon line. And so I was like, okay, well, it looks like business school maybe is not going to be flooded with the entrepreneurs that I hoped it had been. I have to look elsewhere. And I was lucky that Ann Arbor has a shockingly vast entrepreneurial ecosystem. So there's lots of accelerators, incubators, industry-specific tech clubs, like hackathon. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. And so that's kind of, I landed, I was like, all right, I got to start exploring. I got to see what else is out there because the kids I was sitting next to in business school, albeit some some great friends, like weren't necessarily on the same uh, wavelength as I was when we were talking about entrepreneurship stuff. Interesting. So first you got associated with all these like different organizations that were teaching entrepreneurship from like a top-down level run by people who are staff of the institutions and things like that. You saw a problem in that? Not right away. Um, I think that I was... I don't like to throw the P word around a lot, but I think I was like a privileged guy in this case, right? Like I had been introduced to entrepreneurship far earlier than I think most people. And so I came in with a unique mindset that was probably not widely held. I knew that I wanted to be a founder of companies. I knew that I wanted to work for myself. I knew that that was something that I was excited about. So when I went to these organizations whose primary functionality was to get kids to think about this and and expose them, I was like, I already know this. I've been doing, I've been learning about this last four years. I've been talking to founders. I've been working on companies all throughout high school. And so I was initially like a little bit disappointed to see that like when I I didn't feel like anyone was matching where I needed to be, right? Which was, I knew how to build decks. I knew the basics. And so I found, wound up finding people more so. I found mentors. Uh, there's a Michigan guy uh, who dropped out in his junior year, who during my freshman year gave me, like really, really made me start to change how I think about things. He told me about outsourcing and, 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 and hiring overseas and like how that can change how you build companies. Uh, cause at the time, like, man, if I would have known that in high school, I probably would have built that, that app cause I would have hired someone with that 20 K that I won, but I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was possible. You could, you know, arbitrage talent overseas and, and it didn't have to cost you the, the 50, hundred grand that everyone told me it did. But anyways, I didn't off the rip kind of look at these organizations with, with animosity, nor do I now. They serve a purpose, which is to function, like for the most part, teach students what entrepreneurship is and get them going. But when it comes to, okay, like I know I want to do this. I, I have the baselines under, I, I want to now scale up a company and make sure that I can keep doing it after I graduate. I want to raise capital. I want to go to market, whatever it is. That's when the resources, from what I could tell, started to fade off. Like they weren't as optimized to help you take your business from $100,000 in revenue to a million. It was more so taking you from not knowing what entrepreneurship was to knowing, having the, the bare bones, having this toolkit. And then it was like, okay, well, 
now you don't go go apply to white combinator go drop out to move to san francisco mm-hmm. so what's next in this journey point, yeah. from that point uh so meeting some of my closest friends i know you guys had mike on the pod uh, earlier today like mike and i met through one of these entrepreneurship organizations basically i made a spreadsheet my freshman year i wrote down about 25 different entities ranging from clubs to organizations to centers to institutes and i went pretty methodically down the list one by one and, and investigated all of them and saw what they all had to offer uh, again some were primarily education based some had really cool resources but what i noticed was that very few of these organizations were were optimizing like the accelerator programs that everyone tells you to look up to the y combinators the tech stars they were more around this early stage really really early stage early stage so nonetheless like i still had lots to learn so i was engaging with them at the time and it was great and i met people like michael i made some of my closest friends but what i wound up seeing i wound up taking a gap year which is kind of besides the point but i came back from this gap year was missing my friends terribly it's been so long since i'd seen them uh you know covid was was obviously in the in the thick of it but I come back to campus and I start throwing these little hangouts, basically just selfishly, like wanting to catch up with all my best buddies that I had been away, hadn't seen in over a year. And sure enough, uh, I host these events. You know, I invite Michael, I invite people like Armel, I invite the Noahs, et cetera. Like these are all for context. These are all founder friends that I'd made at Michigan. And we have these little gatherings and I'm having a good time. I'm getting to know all these people uh, or not get to know them, but I'm, I'm catching up with them. And what's fascinating is that they're having a much better time chatting with each other than they are hearing about what Bobby's been up to, where has he been over the last year. And I was like, this is interesting, right? Like, <laughs> of course, it's great to catch up. But it was fascinating because none of these people knew each other. You know, I, w- I would be kind of thoughtful. I'd invite, like, you know, Ian and Connor and the Noahs and, and whoever with some thesis of, like, I bet you these kids have met each other because they were running in similar social circles. They were working on companies. Maybe they were building in similar verticals they're like oh you know they've probably met each other and then sure enough when i'd host these little gatherings like no one knew each other i say like, this is pretty bizarre like all am i really the one the only person that kind of went between all these different entities uh, it doesn't seem likely but in in truth that was that was that was it like there are very few people uh, that go between the 20 different entrepreneurship entities and so when i was pulling together my friends from all of them they're, they're like oh my gosh there are more people like me on campus outside of my one little club that I interact with. That's fascinating. You are one of the most well-connected people I know in our age group in like the entire entrepreneurship ecosystem. You're very charismatic. You genuinely take a care in what everyone is doing, what kind of people they are and what they're building. What advice would you have for other people who maybe are interested in a certain niche, like maybe entrepreneurship, and they don't have people around them, at least that they've met, who are interested in those same kinds of things? You started to create events. You started to make spreadsheets. Like, what can other people do to actually meet these like-minded entrepreneurs? It's a good question. Uh, I just chatted with a student from, oh boy, I want to say Purdue, but it's not Purdue. It's a smaller school. I'll think of it. Um, but really nice dude, and he asked me that exact question. He was like, "I love the community you've built." I've done the diligence that doesn't really exist here. There is no unifying body, which for context is pretty common. A lot of schools, uh, and that's why what Aiden and Luke are doing is so admirable at U of I. And I know you guys are riding late right along with them before you graduated is that there are very few schools out there that, that have a centralized organization that also doesn't require a a big opt-in, right? So sometimes, uh, for instance, at, at, 
at Yale and at Columbia, there are two pretty centralized organizations that kind of house, uh, same thing with Northeastern, that house all the different entrepreneurship things. However, all the, like, for the most part, all these different things have a pretty reasonable buy-in. And so even so, like, they're centralized in, in a sense, but they're all Within that, they're pretty siloed, right? Like the kids that are part of the accelerator, even though it's centralized under this main thing, they don't really engage with the kids that are part of like the fintech club. And so it's just, I was chatting with this guy and he asked me the same question, which is like, there isn't, that doesn't exist at my school. How do I, how do I meet people like this? And a couple of things that I would recommend is to get, if you, if you, if you really care, like build a plan, right? So one thing can be hosting events. Make it very, very obvious the kind of people that you want to attract and host an event for them. You can do that by branding yourself as such. Like when I was rushing my business fraternity, there was no no doubt in anyone's mind that I was the entrepreneurship guy. I was talking about it. I was eating it. I was sleeping it. I was pooping it. I, I loved it. And so if you can define yourself as such in other people's eyes, if it's no no doubt in my mind, I know who, who Jacob and Rohan are. I, it's obvious to me what they stand for. I think that's what social media is for me, right? It's not about getting a million followers, don't really care, but I want to make first certain that those like 2,000 closest people I know very much know what Bobby's all about. And that's why I think social media is important more so than attracting an audience. Make sure the people you already know are very, very clear in what you care about and what you're doing about it. That way they can become your allies because then becomes asymmetric, right? So for this kid I was talking to, I can't remember his school, I was like, dude, you should be actively posting about wanting like the people you want to attract, right? So for him, he was looking to meet founders at his school. I was like, make you should be tweeting LinkedIn, like you're you should be actively advertising. There should be no mistake that you are somebody who wants to bring together these people at your school. You should you you can be strategic about it. Like I told him, you can scrape LinkedIn and match people for words like angel, GP, LP, founder. CTO, right? Like you can use these strategic words and then match them with people that are either at your school or young alumni. There's one easy way of tracking these people down, right? So if you're at a place that's super decentralized, or maybe you have just a hyper niche interest, which I imagine applies to a lot of people that might listen to the pod, you can get strategic about it. Like it just, it's a question of how much effort you want to put into it, right? Like I'm a big believer that nothing's impossible. You can literally do whatever you want, uh, but it's a question of how much time and energy you want to put into it. Like a girl sent me the other day, she last, again, this is maybe I've used social media well. She hits me up and is like, hey, I know you like love to like backdoor your way into like concerts and stuff. I got a concert tonight. I don't want to go. Like, what ideas? What, what can I do? It's like the day of the concert. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> you, you probably should have started thinking about this three weeks ago and I, we probably could have got you free tickets in. Like, sold out show, don't care. Like, we probably could have figured it out if we spent the time. And like, day of, it's not impossible. I gave her some ideas. I have, I'm not sure if she wound up getting in, but. It's like it's just a matter of how much time and effort you want to dedicate to like meeting and building a network of these people, and if it really matters to you, like you can do it, no doubt. So you, then you made that part of your mission by making Founders Cupid, which is like the match ma- matchmaker for college founders and entrepreneurs. Right? So you branded or yourself as the entrepreneurship guy. There's no doubt. And yeah. Why? Why was that the thing you chose to brand yourself? I mean, I'm sure you played baseball, you did all these other things. Why was it entrepreneurship? What attracted you so much to be? all in on entrepreneurship i think entrepreneurship was a good catch-all uh in that i want we were talking about this earlier before we went on the on the mic which was just that it doesn't really matter what you're doing in my eyes if you are now this is maybe one step outside of entrepreneurship but if you are really doing something extremely passionately 
for yourself and you're taking strides to like turn that into your life, I think that's entrepreneurship, right? Jacob, you're building an insanely interesting portfolio of real estate stuff that will one day be something that you can do full time. That's entrepreneurship. That's every bit as entrepreneurship as a kid who raised a 250,000 seed round for his fintech startup. Like it's a, it's, in my eyes, it's semantics, arguing whether this is more entrepreneurial than another thing. And so for me, entrepreneurship was good in that if I was branding myself as an entrepreneurship guy, I could also encapsulate the idea that I wanted to, I, like I published a book. I love to, I, I want to make movies one day. I want to be a journalist. I want to be like an independent journalist and tell my own stories. I want to produce documentaries. Like, all these kind of other things that I was doing that was maybe not traditionally housed within the world of startups, I could kind of catch all into this this idea of entrepreneurship. So, you know, although I can maybe call myself the entrepreneurship guy, I think other people might look at me as, oh, that's the, that's the guy that goes on those crazy adventures and like backdoors his way into things. Perhaps other people see me differently, but entrepreneurship is probably a good like, uh, what do you call it? Like default function or uh, objective function. Yeah. So for you, you do you is in your thesis? Do you find yourself only pursuing people that are already on that same train and have gotten on it and said, you know what, I like entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship's for me. I want to be an entrepreneur. Or do you find yourself with people that are like, I don't really know yet. I mean, it seems cool to have my own. I don't really know what entrepreneurship is yet. Like, where do you find yourself on that spectrum? Today? Yeah. I, I really hope that people don't think like that. Like the, the, the first thing that you said, right? Like if you're not doing X, Y, or Z, I don't want to spend time with you. Um, I, I think about relationships like a Venn diagram and perhaps this reveals me as to be some sort of sociopath. That's fine. But I still think it's an interesting thought experiment, right? Which is if you take two circles on a Venn diagram, right? The, the, the thing where you got two circles, they overlap in the middle, right? And the middle ground is supposed to be like the Holy Trinity who, who knows what, right? I think about relationships as a circle of um, like people that you really enjoy spending time with. There are humans that you just find compelling and loving and passionate and caring about you and and and, and your relationship. These are maybe these are like your core family members, perhaps. Right? There's like I love spending time with my mom and my dad, like my sister. I don't. We could be talking about whatever. It doesn't matter. And then there are people that you really ideologically align with. These are people that perhaps share your passions in life. They share your theses on the universe. They think about the same politics as you do, right? Um, I think in life, as your network gets bigger, as you get older, as you meet more people, as you become more set in like what you stand for and, and believe in, you should be optimizing for that middle circle. And so, to answer your question, like, do I, I do I really do try and like align myself with people that are in that middle circle? However. I'm willing to make exceptions in that, like, I'm not, I don't care how cool you are or how aligned we are um, on what we care about. If I don't enjoy spending time with you, like, I'm not going to make time for you. I'm simply, there's just too many amazing people in the world that are too kind and too curious and too thoughtful. So if you're in that circle alone, like, I'm not really going to make time for you. But let's say you are someone that I just love. Like, you, these are your family members. Maybe you don't see eye to eye in your family. Maybe you don't share the same passions. That's a circle where... Yeah, I will spend time. Like there are a couple of friends at home that they have no interest in like building things for themselves. Maybe they don't even necessarily know extremely what they care about, but they're just amazing humans. And like I seven days a week, like would love to spend time with those people along with that middle circle. So I think if, if you're someone who's just like, you know, if you're not building companies, I don't want to spend time with you. I think that's really silly. Uh, I totally, I, I've totally vibe with the idea that if 
you, you might not want to hang out with someone if you just don't enjoy their presence. I think that's completely valid, but I think you should have some leeway. Like some people are just great humans and you might not be aligned with them. They might not think about the same things as you do, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't be a part of your life. And how do you view entrepreneurship? I mean, you said it's this big overarching thing that can, is almost a catch 22 for all the things you're interested in. Do you see it as something that like, this is for everyone in some shape or form, everyone could benefit from being in some type of way entrepreneurial? Or do you think some people it's good for some people like, no, probably not. I think it's some facet, right? Like I think everyone can have an entrepreneurial itch. You could, Everyone shouldn't run companies or we wouldn't have any companies because no one would work at them. Um, that's just the facts of the matter. Uh, we have to have people that uh, take lower level, entry level jobs and, and basically do as instructed. That's important. But I think everyone can have an entrepreneurial urge, right? Everyone can have a build space coined on nights and weekends, right? Everyone can have something that they go home at night and they tinker on and on the weekend they <clears> keep tinkering <throat> on. Like everyone can have a, a side hustle, a side passion, something that they are chasing for themselves passionately and relentlessly for no reason other than that they care. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how they do it. If they're spending immense energy uh, and effort into building something, creating something for themselves, that's great. And I think everyone can channel that, even if it's not their main job. So I, I do really think like these underlying, especially when you go broad, if you're just <laughs> defining again, startups and entrepreneurship as like Vindex, Aspra, like no, then of course, in that sense, no, it's not for everyone. But if you're defining it like me in a pretty wide spectrum, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Talk about, I love how mission driven you are. Talk about you hedging Hedging your bet last week when you went to the comedy show. Yeah, this is like unreleased, funny story. unreleased material. Uh, the TLDR, there was, there was like a very famous uh, stand-up comedy podcast where you... Um, Extremely famous. Yeah. I, I, yes. A lot of, <laughs> I think it's the main one. It's the main one. Um, but anyways, like a lot of people have been moving down to Austin for stand-up like people are moving to austin for stand-up like people are moving to the bay area for startups it's really cool like i sat like for two hours before this crazy uh, adventure happened i sat and just talked with stand-up comedians which i mean i have a couple of buddies that do stand-up but man fascinating creatures right like just like the the startup kids that you meet you were talking about this 19 year old guy that we were hearing about last night building a company in austin same same thing right like kids grinding taking out crazy risks like it's super inspiring but anyways yeah uh i think in life you can you can always hedge your bets right so maybe it's building your side project on the nights and weekends some people will tell you that hedging is like in fact setting yourself up to fail you can't have a plan b i don't really buy that i think that's kind of silly uh i think you should be really committed to what you're doing but i think you should think through at least what plan b is maybe you shouldn't be devoting a lot of time and energy to it, but probably have an idea of what you should do. Because you, know, you could set yourself up to be in a really bad and dark spot if you have no thesis on what happens after you fail. But anyways, uh, I love stand up. I watched a lot, and I was like, "Damn, would love to, uh, would love to one day go on this pod where like they randomly pick names out of a bucket." And to me, my plan B here was like, you know, I might not be funny. I've done stand up twice. Might as well hedge and uh, kind of talk about what it is that I care about. And in this case, it was like my entrepreneurship journey. So wrote the whole stand-up set about the entrepreneurial stuff I care about and do. And that was my plan B. And if I'm not funny, at least I can uh, share with the world what it is that I care about. With the Founders Cupid hat and shirt that you went. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. You just have to tune in in a few weeks when it goes live to see uh, see what happened. <laughs> so, tell us, so tell us where you're at now. You started this community a couple years ago, bringing people together that you thought all knew each other. 
Turns out they didn't. And now it's grown into a much larger community to where people from other schools are interested hitting you up. We're here in Austin because of what it is that you've created. So where is it at now? And bring us through like how that came to be. Yeah. So what started is bringing together uh, at some point backing up to like that first time when I was sitting in my living room, seeing that all these friends of mine were, were having a blast meeting each other less. So catching up with me, I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I kept doing that over the course of about a year, realized that there was a lot of value. And I was like, I wasn't doing there. We had no website. There was no marketing. I was telling people where to show up over iMessage group chats, not one iMessage group chat, but now 11, but at the time, maybe three or four, right? Cause they, they cap at 32 people. And so what wound up happening is, you know, my 15 entrepreneurial friends would come hang out. They'd love it. They'd be having the time of their life. And then they'd say, you know, Jimmy, Sal, you guys got to come check this, this, this out. This guy, Bobby is like bringing together all these people and people just like us, like you should come. And so I'd be like, yeah, bring him. Like, sure. Great. That sounds good. And Again, like no marketing, no website. People were just having the time. Like there was no barrier to entry. There was no ask. There was no expectation. Just come share what it is that you care about and what you're doing about it. And so over the course of a year, that became my 30, 50 closest entrepreneurial friends to well over 200 and now over 350 people at Michigan that are building companies, pursuing art, building real estate portfolios, whatever it might be, doing something for themselves and, and granted, a lot of those do fall into the more traditional startup bucket, but a lot of them are non-traditional too, which is great. Some point along the line, uh, my co-founder Barry came into the mix and we realized, I think this is after we went on the, like my first million pod, we realized there was something more to this. Like what we had been building was great. And I had kind of had a, a sense that there was something more. I didn't know what that, I felt like I was in a dark room and I was stumbling around looking and feeling for the light switch and I didn't know where it was yet. And after the my first million pod, someone just pop that room into light and it was very bright and it was clear as day and we knew that there was something here and so at that point was when this kind of community this very uh kind of amorphous sort of group of founders and entrepreneurs in michigan we said okay like let's 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 gather this all up let's collect all uh, collect it all up and, and turn it into something and so built our first website uh, incorporated both a non-profit and a for-profit company uh, and we're like, let's let's take a stab at this. We had a lot of people coming in and telling us that we had a lot of value to provide. There was a lot more we could be doing. There were a lot of gaps and, and pain points that we could address. And we're like, okay, there's something here. So first mover was launching the syndicate, uh, which was cool. We did two deals in there. If you're not familiar with the syndicate, it's just a way to help angel investors invest into startups in, a, in like a kind of a collected way. Uh, in which you as the leader kind of get uh, upside somewhere to that of a venture capital fund. And from there, we started being like, okay, this is cool, but we were starting to get more publicity. People were starting to to post and write about us. We, we were featured on a few articles and we started talking with kids from all over the country. And we realized that there's like fragmented nature of college campuses and entrepreneurs wasn't just unique to Michigan. So we started building a community like ours at Stanford and people kept kind of reaching out. When can this come to our school? When are you guys doing this for other people? Right. And we're like, I don't know. Uh, and so we got to step back from the syndicate and we're like, okay, let's reevaluate. Like, where do we really want to be focusing our time? And to us, we kind of have refocused right now onto two things, which is one, building a community that connects the top founders from across the country. We're talking like the top 5%. And we are, to be fair, we are focusing on the more traditional entrepreneurship as of, as of right now. Uh, that is 
the hope for the short term. Like we have to start with kind of what is proven and what we know we can gain garner interest in, which is the more traditional investable startups. But I do very much want to come back to, and at the core is the community is still driven by people that are not necessarily driven by creating those traditional startups. But we're focusing on those individuals, maybe that top 5% of kids that are building those companies from across the country at schools, you know, the Ivy Plus, the top 25, top top 50 schools in the country. It doesn't really matter actually where you're from, uh, but those are just the easiest place to locate these founders. Bring together in person, very like Summit Series, ask if you've heard of those guys, very intentionally, and trying to break down the barriers because unfortunately like they're not going to be all successful. It's kind of like the PayPal mafia, right? Some people are going to drop ship and go join other teams. But there's a lot of value to be had in putting these people together, building these connections, because right now there's zero connectivity between entrepreneurs on different campuses. There's hardly any connectivity on their own campus. And for us, like it has to be a full time startup venture to actually connect these people because it's an immensely hard logistics task and it's an immensely expensive task. And so that's where we're at. Um, And then beyond that, also just trying to play like agent and matchmaker, hence the name Founders Cupid. So being very intentional about how can we help these kids get what they need? How can we put them in front of the right people, get them asymmetric eyeballs, like do whatever we can, almost like a talent agency does for like a young musician. That's how we're treating it. We're almost like a talent agency for the young founders. We just want to go out and help them enter into the market, enter in the world, however we can. So go back and going back to the My First Million, that light, <clears throat> excuse me, that light fit, switch flipped. What was kind of, what was the My First Million thing that happened and what was kind of the light switch that flipped for you? Yeah, I went from the cold outreach guy to the cold outreach receiver uh, for the first time in my life, which was nuts. Um, what I mean by that is just that I was the dude who was send. I mean, I sent Warren Buffett and his right man, man Charlie Munger, letters in the mail when we went to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting and like asked if that if I could talk. And I got a message back from Munger that was like. Mr. Munger is very pleased at your letter, but uh, I cannot make time to talk. And it's hilarious, right? <laughs> that was me. That was always been me. Uh, but now, after we went on this My First Million pod, and I don't need to necessarily go into the background on, on how it happened, but uh, a certain Michael, uh, who you guys interviewed earlier, uh, really helped make that happen, which is great. But TLDR, you know, we went on this podcast uh, that, that is all about... Um, that is all about... Um, highlighting founder stories. And... On the pod, we highlighted five of the founders from Michigan. We, we, we did two episodes, but the first episode was all about Michigan. And after we went on the pod, there were a lot of people that were reaching out to me for the first time in my life, random people from around the world. That was kind of a light bulb moment because we had a lot of people that were interested in investing. One of the founders that was showcased on the My First Million pod closed like a 400000 pre-seed raise within three weeks of going on the pod, all thanks to the publicity that that he got after pitching uh, to the guys from My First Million. So the light bulb was just people taking an interest in what we were doing from outside of the university and saying, you've got an opportunity to build this into a company. Like there's more to this than just hanging out on Thursday nights, drinking some lukewarm beer in the in the in the space that we have off campus, right? You were so good at publicity on that. I remember we listened to the podcast on the way back from the Michigan retreat, and like every ten minutes, you'd randomly hear this guy in the background, like Bobby, like, "Yeah, like these are my killer boys." Like, I'm like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> that was before I had ever met you, so I thought it was you've done a really good job with, with personal branding and all of that. But on that note, because you've branded yourself as this entrepreneurship guy through LinkedIn, Twitter, through your own personal networks. Is there anything that you think people misunderstand about you? It's a great question. I've never been asked that before. Um, 
I think I strive to be pretty radically transparent. I think that I think that I try and be really, really open with who I am and what I care about, what I stand for. I think it's pretty hard to misread Bobby if you hang out with me or you kind of read how I write and the things that I that I post about. Maybe one thing that I think is that uh, a lot of my girlfriend's friends, when we started dating, were like, what's he trying to be, like an influencer? And <laughs> like, like, not really. I think there's value in building an audience. Don't get me wrong, immense value. Yeah, you guys know that. But that was never, like I said, that was never really my goal behind like posting rarely on social media. I just look at how I post. It's super non-optimized to go viral. It's like four or five minute videos of me like investigating things. Like, that's not, that's not really optimized to go viral. It's just, I optimize it for how I like to tell stories. I love to tell stories. So I think maybe something people misinterpret that I'm like obsessed with the clout or obsessed with the eyeballs, which is, which is very untrue. Um, it's more so about like just making it clear what I care about, uh, and making it readily accessible for anyone that stumbles on like, I heard about this Bobby guy. I want to look him up. Like hopefully they should be pretty quickly be able to understand what I'm all about, but I'm trying to think of other things I've been misunderstood to be. Well, you, you mentioned the, the light switch flipped when you were got on my first million, you switched from the cold DM guy to receiving the cold DMs. Yeah. How did that change for you personally? Not, not just the company, but for you personally, like emotionally or, um, even even in just the way you like hold yourself like how how did that change for you did it change anything yeah it definitely did i think it's one of those things where i don't know if it was a moment of ego per se i'm super anti and again maybe this is perhaps something misunderstood but i'm extremely arrogant people are one of the things that bug me the worst and i try and be even though part of the bit is like, I have to like talk about myself and whatnot and like share about what I'm doing. I really would prefer not to, uh, if it wasn't so important to the mission we're trying to achieve, like arrogant people really bug me. So, but I think once people start reaching out to you, you feel special. And it wasn't just for like a couple days. Like people were reaching out to me for months. I still once in a while, I got a LinkedIn message the other day. I said, Hey, I saw you on my first million pot. Like I want to, you know, I, I'm a college founder from XYZ school. I want to learn more about what you're doing. I was like, that was months ago. That was half a year ago that, that, that came out. So I think what I realized is that when people are constantly fighting for your attention, like I've been fighting for, you know, all my heroes attention when I reach out to them, it's a great, you have to be careful because it's a great way to assure you what you're doing is valuable because people are paying attention. But that's not always the metric that you need to be listening to, right? Like, Jacob, if, you, if, if, I, if, if I spawned in 100 DMs into your Instagram tomorrow asking about, like, real estate stuff, you have to be careful to make sure that, whoa, maybe, like, I should probably just keep doing exactly what I'm doing right now because all these people are super, like, you, you might fall into the trap of, like, not advancing or not uh growing because you're like oh my god all these people are like they're loving what i'm doing you know what i'm saying like it it can be a dangerous trap i think having people constantly outreach you so i I think i've just been i've tried to be cognizant about not letting it go to my head and knowing too that you know i'm still i'm still i'm still ripping up plenty cold outreach even though now sometimes people reach out to me i'm still you know it's interesting you say that because a lot of people 
that have success early on in their life will not be as successful later on because they can't ever re reinvent that because maybe when they're like in eighth grade and they're like the smartest kid in their school and they're in like the accelerated program and they're like reading at like 12th grade level and they're like grinding on their schoolwork and now like that's what success is in your brain and so like it just gets encoded and like okay if i do this this is success and people will like validate me for that and you just keep doing that over and over and over again and then eventually it's like now i didn't ever move on from that and it can be even that way in like you have some type of business or if you're like a freaking if you're a baseball player and you're super good at it and you go to college and play baseball and you make it to the minor leagues and then you like have some success you can't ever it's hard to reinvent yourself and so like you're right i think it's an ego thing of like stepping back and yeah. saying like just because people are validating this doesn't mean this is like the right thing forever and always totally i think it's um that's why introspection is so important to me, right? Like you have to find a mechanism to step outside of all the nonsense and make sense of it, right? You have to figure out a way, step outside of the, you know, if, imagine you're someone who's getting thousands of people reaching out to you every day. You got to have a mechanism to step outside of all that, step outside yourself, almost have an out of body type analysis and be critical with yourself. Am I still doing the right thing? Am I still chasing what I care about? Am I still progressing in the right direction? And the more and more people that you have reassuring you, no, Jacob, you're doing, you're great. I love what you're doing. I had people that would reach out to me. This was nuts. This is, they'd just reach out and say, I really like what you're doing. And I was like, uh, like, is there an ask here? Cause I'm so used to being the guy who was like, Mr. Munger, like I, I love Berkshire Hathaway. Like I would love to chat with you just for five minutes. Like very rarely do I, to be fair, like very rarely do I, do I reach out to people and say like, I'm proud of you. I like what you're doing. But I thought that was sweet. I was like, this is so humbling. But again, it's just like, if you've never had that happen before, it's it's nuts. It's a crazy sensation. Yeah. So that same kind of idea on a more tactical level, because like I said earlier, you're very well connected, right? There's probably all kinds of people who will be asking you now for favors since they know you're well connected, right? How do you manage those kinds of relationships? Like... If you're now in Austin, you've probably got tons of friends in Michigan and now you've met people at Stanford and MIT and Purdue and these people all over that are constantly hitting you up. How do you how do you find time to make sure you're not over index or spending too much time just like helping other people out versus like building what you're supposed to be building? It's hard to say no to people when they ask for a favor, right? Yeah. I think what I've actually had to realize is that it's actually part of my job. Right, I, uh, everyone who and their mom who's got five Twitter followers calls himself a community builder. Right, uh, that's just the the facts of the matter. And I never knew what that meant. I never considered myself a community builder, and perhaps I'm still not. I don't really like the term, but it's probably the best way to summarize like what Barry and I are trying to build with Founders Cupid. But I've I've just had to realize that that's part of my job. There are days that will go by, like right now. This is not a flex. This is just me putting context. 134 messages over the last couple of days that are still like, and not like group chats or anything, right? These are young founder types that are building cool stuff wherever they're at, asking for me to following up on connections or introductions that I promised or checking in on how things are going. All good things. All things that I am extremely excited to chat, but it's just like there's, it's getting to the point where it's almost non-manageable. And so there will be days where I spend most of the day just responding to people's emails, responding to people's texts, getting on calls with folks. Mondays, I spend almost the entire day just on the phone with people, seeing how things are going, how can I help, how like checking in, right? And I've just had to 
Like, it's frustrating. So I'm like, I didn't get anything done today. But it is like, that's the bit, right? That's the whole thing. Like, uh, our whole bit is connecting people that are changing the world by building amazing companies in college, connecting them to each other, connecting them to investors, connecting them to their first, you know, a thousand customers. Like, that's my job. And so what used to kind of piss me off and frustrate me was like, I'm not getting anything done. I've reframed it as saying, okay, like, this is work. And unfortunately, like, it, it's sometimes it makes it a bit, not robotic, but, you know, I now have a software that consolidates my LinkedIn, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Slack. Like, it consolidates it all into one place, and I can very quickly rip through keystrokes, right? And so what used to be sort of a fun thing, you know, um, you get a text from a guy you haven't heard in a while, heard from in a while. Like, you lo- you're like, oh, I'm excited to see what Jimmy has to say. I wonder what now it's. It, become a bit methodical it's be- which is a bummer in some sense but it's the only way that i've found and it's not that i'm going to respond to jimmy to be like good i'm fine like, i'm still going to give a thoughtful response it's just i've had to contextualize it in a different way um that maybe is not a p- perfect answer to what you're asking but no that, that's definitely very helpful i mean even last night you offered to help us out with something and i got a text from you at like 4 a.m like here here's this this will help you guys out i'm like oh my gosh like you're spending so much time caring about other people and helping them out and being so generous that I just assume that it's all going to come back. It's all so when all that time things. you spend with that, all these different things coming into it from all different, all different people, all different places, how do you step back? How do you introspect? What, what does that look like for you? Usually pretty intentional, like trying to find time to unplug. Like the time my girlfriend and I don't live in the same place. And so Generally, when I'm with her, I try and be really and like I'm I'm like not ripping through the 600 message. I'm just like put it aside for a few days, enjoy the limited time I have with her. Uh, I love to go into nature. Nature is a great tool. Going out and just like being in beautiful nature when wilderness is helpful. Just finding ways to intentionally step outside, step away from what you're used to. Interior lighting that one always gets me. Sometimes out in nature, just get. Stripping away, stripping away the fat, I think is helpful. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have like a perfect remedy, but I think it's, it's about trying to find some semblance of balance. However you find that for me, it's taking time by myself and thinking and maybe a little bit of time at the end of the day, just to watch a, watch a YouTube video or watch a show, something to just kind of turn the brain off. And then besides turning the brain off, also looking for intentional ways to step away from all the stuff I'm doing. Yeah. So you have all kinds of people reaching out, right? Like students, founders, investors, people who are all, I mean, you're a matchmaker at the end of the day. If you had to give one message, I mean, use this as a platform. If you have to give one message to founders, what would that be? And if you have to give one message to like investors, what would that be? Either pieces of advice or just things you want them to know about you, what you represent or what your brand represents. Sure. For, for investors, I would say that no matter who's told you this or who may have led you to think that college students are just building B2C apps like the one I was thinking about in high school, like you're dead wrong. Uh, college students are building some of the most innovative companies in the world, and there a lot of them are failing sooner than they should, not because they don't have the work ethic, not because they don't have great ideas, but because they are not surrounded by other people that think like them and support them fully. Like I said, there's lots of great schools out there that are doing lots of great things, but you get to a point where 
you know, there's only so much the school can do, right? They're not an accelerator. They're not an incubator. They're not a founder community either, right? And so, like, there's a lot of potential that is being left on the table because college students are not systematically and intelligently being brought to great investors, nor are they being brought to each other. And so, if you're an investor, like, know that and know that we are trying our best to change that. Uh, because there's a lot of great deals, like the ways that, oh, man, don't get me started, but the ways that, that college startups are being sourced right now to investment is broken. Um, and it can be done a lot, lot better. And hopefully we will change that. And if you're a college student and you are aspiring to do something entrepreneurial, whether it be build a real estate portfolio, building a SaaS product, starting a concert company, getting better at the clarinet and trying to put on your own little concerts. It doesn't matter, right? Take whatever it is that you're doing and that makes you extremely happy and that you're also kind of decent at and do it at a high level and do it for yourself and find a way to like do it in a meaningful way where other people can also enjoy it. Or maybe it's just for you. Who knows? But I think entrepreneurship definitely has like an outward facing component. So maybe it's putting on concerts. Maybe it's putting on parties. Maybe it's building a software product. Don't care, but just do it and let me help put you in front of other students that are thinking about these things in the same way because that's our entire mission. Love that. Explain that one part that you said the current process is broken and there's so many ways to fix it. At least give some sort of TLDR on that. What's broken about it and what needs to be fixed? Oh, boy. Uh, speaking of investing. Yeah. Not to name names, uh, but there are some funds that pride themselves on investing in college founders, but they do so in a hyper-transactional way. There's no community. There's no Luke Clancy's, Bobby Alzo's running around town and trying to put you in front of other great people that are inspired to keep doing it. Rather, there's a bunch of agents, which is technically illegal anyways, um, but that are like lifting up, eh, maybe not illegal, just unethical. But you got a bunch of little kiddos that are lifting up, uh, lifting up rugs, looking under the table, looking behind the door and looking for deals and they find the deals and then they send them back to the fund. And, and that's that, right? It's like the classic college scout program. And I think that that is just such a, it's kind of like the wrong incentive structure in so many ways. And I think it's also propagating this idea of fractured college entrepreneurship, right? Cause if you're one of these funds that invests into college founders and you've got all these little scouts running around town. You're seeing hundreds and, and thousands of, of startup companies out of college every day. But unless you're like the one that they cut a check into, there's no value provided to you. And even so, I don't know what the value looks on the back end for like the one in a million that does get a check from these funds. But like, yeah, like I said, it's just a bunch of kids that are running around town with investor in their LinkedIn bio getting un, un, unpaid, I might add, to go find uh, all these deals. And one, I don't think they're doing a good job of it. Two, it's the most transactional nonsense ever. And the funds don't care whether or not you know the other kids like you that are building amazing companies and whether you're inspired to keep doing so. They just want to see the bottom line, which is like, fine, it's a fiduciary responsibility, but it's not that high lift, you know? It's like, it's really not that high lift to make an effort to build a community. You already have all the, all the resources there. But it's just it's just transactional right now, and I think that's why it's broken. And I think, you know, maybe maybe there's a day where we raise a fund and we change that. But for the time being, we're really leaning into the community component. So, what's a win for Founders Cupid for you personally? 
a win right now is laying the groundwork so that I can provide meaningful interactions to anyone who's building really amazing startups in the more traditional sense at schools across the country. So what that looks like is building really strong relationships with the people that are building the best communities for these people um, and helping them do what they do best. So right now we're building ties with the people that build the best founder communities at colleges across the country. And from here, we want to help them do what they do, help put them in touch with all the other great community builders across the country. And then from there, double down and say, okay, the best community builders now are, are intimately intertwined. Now it's time to go to the next level and intimately intertwine their top founders. That's where we're headed. Um, and that's what we need help with. So what's the long-term play? Are you going to be like the Dave Portnoy, like your Michigan buddy and freaking <laughs> hang out in college campuses and be the freaking 50 year old weirdo. Like what's the, <laughs> do you have to move on eventually? Like is yeah. the college space one of those things where you're like, uh, at an age limit, you got to move on buddy. Like stop being a creep. Yeah. I think to a, to a certain extent, I think you gotta, you gotta have a, you gotta keep a young team around you. Like we have an intern this summer. I'll be a senior this year. We've got an intern who's going to be a sophomore. Like it's great to have him and give, having him give me fresh perspective and just maybe challenging me in, in things that I, I haven't been thinking about. Even a couple years makes a difference, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily see myself spending my entire career building community for college founders. I think it's a, an immense problem right now that we're trying to address with this fractured nature of it. And I think we want to solve it and we want to lay the groundwork and like change fundamentally how the ecosystem operates. But there's just so many things I want to do across my career. I want to make movies. I want to do journalism. I want to build companies. Um, I want to write, write books and there's just so many things. So I think this will be a component of it, but yeah, I think at some point it'll be time to hand, hand the reins to some other young guns. Cause there's lots of people that are just as, uh, as capable of, uh, once we lay the groundwork, there's lots of other people that are just as capable of keeping, keeping it going. Um, but again, like I do, I do really think that it needs to be a, a full-time company effort. That's why we're treating this like a startup. That's why we're treating it like a company. This is not a college club. This is a startup in itself uh, to try and connect these individuals. But I don't think I'll be here forever. And it's almost like the ultimate starting career move where you like connect with all the people doing all the fun, like fun, cool stuff. The young people that are changing the world, like you're connecting with all of them. You meet all of them. And now as you lay the ground where founders Cupid, it can become something bigger than you. You move on. Some other college killer takes on all the things that you leave behind that you've left with your groundwork. And then you move on to something else. And now, you know, every college kid on the face of planet earth, that's like doing something special and like having those connections is, yeah, dude, it's already bigger than you. Trust me. Like from an outside perspective, we've seen this kind of army you've built up just by you explaining the vision and the mission kind of and all these people gravitating towards you and they love what you're doing you know because a lot of people face these same kinds of problems with investors and they don't have this ecosystem of other entrepreneurs that are building around them i mean just living in this house this this past week in austin i've just i've just been ingrained in it so much and it's big stuff i appreciate it yeah proximity matters yeah we we totally 100 percent agree with your thesis i mean we we took longer than we wish we would have to find the entrepreneurship space and when we did find it there wasn't much there and it's starting to be built out um i mean we were seniors basically by the time we'd actually fully been like you know what entrepreneurship's like for us and like we and the reason for that is everyone around us was like this is what success is and success has not like no one ever talked about entrepreneurship i didn't know what it meant to be a founder i didn't know what it meant to be 
starting a B2B SaaS company or like whatever it is that people think founders are. I still don't know what it means to be starting a B2B SaaS company. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) we just found it too late. And if there was communities of people that were interested in this, I think it would have been much easier for us to find. And when we would have found it, we would have found it earlier and it would have been a lot easier to to go along that journey right exactly i mean there are some examples there's many examples like you said in those like schools like purdue where the people have vetted the communities and they actually don't exist too many founders but there are places like the university of illinois where there's tons of founders tons of people building cool things but they're all siloed they're all doing it all like on their island of one right and so i mean we saw that we had so many different friends building apps building brands building social media companies but they didn't know each other and so seeing like Luke and you and people bringing these people together, it's, it's powerful. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, to your point, like it makes me light up when I see a new freshman and we'll be seeing a lot of this in, a, in, in just shy of a month when we spawn back into campus and new people find out about what we're doing. But when that like 17 year old kid spawns into campus and then shows up at one of our events and comes up and he's like, this was so cool. Like all these people are insane. I'm, it can't help but but make me feel like what we're doing is of value, right? Because even now that we're trending towards this where we're we're really trying to double down and serve this top echelon of founders that have kind of burned through the school's resources and are ready to hyperscale, we're gonna keep a component of this that like I wanna I wanna meet those kids where they're at, right? Like I there's gotta be a top of funnel, right? And so being able to even if it's just simple community gatherings where kids can spawn in and talk about what they're chasing and and realize what's possible right you know your one buddy brings you to one of our meetups one time and and then you meet 20 kids that are like you said building companies and chasing dreams like that might be all it takes one time you might be hooked or a couple times right and so no matter how doubled down we get on like really focusing in on like this top five percent like having that baseline community for those people to opt in and just see what's possible is absolutely and always going to be a part of what we do because one it's not again what i was pooping on these like funds earlier like it's it's not that high lift activity i throw out a a 30 rack of lukewarm beers and tell people when and where it's going to happen through 30 or through 11 different iMessage group chats of michigan founders and entrepreneurs and they show up and they have a great time and they have their minds blown and it's like it's all it takes. But like, man, it's so serious because when you're 18, 19 and you're in a group of people that say going into this job is success and following this path and making this much money means success and having this nice car when you're 25 means success versus the opposite, which is going and doing what you love and making something special and changing the world. That's success. And having those two different things I mean, for me personally, I gravitate towards one over the other, but like we didn't have that. And so what you're building is is pretty amazing. And I think it can be much more fulfilling to a lot of people. Yeah. So Bobby, with a lot of these podcasts, right, we've been recording for an hour and people will, people will either be like cooking, read or working out, whatever. They hear all this information, but many times it goes in one ear, not the other. Right. So at the end of this podcast now, if you were to leave the audience with one like takeaway or thing, something actionable that they could actually do with an today or within the next week to help them on their journey of either becoming a more successful entrepreneur or even like starting from the ground or just finding that community, what would, what would you advise? So selfishly, if you're a college founder or you want to invest in college founders, there's this really neato community called Founders Cupid. You should call me up. 
Bobby Housel's the guy uh, for that. But more from a meta perspective, no matter how old you are, how young you are, where you come from, what you do, it's never too late to try and find what you care about. Simply put, like full stop, there's a logic verse that, that comes to mind. Uh, it's uh, like an outro of, of, of one of his songs where, shoot, I guess I'll listen to that on the way home now. I'm fired up. But it's it basically, no matter if you're on the school bus on your way to work, pissed off at your at your boss, or, or you're coming on, on the school bus home from a long day at school, like, doesn't matter, man. Like, do what you love. I'm paraphrasing here. Logic, don't get mad at me for listening to this. But it's like, <laughs> that's it, man. It's... I build community for college founders, not because I see a, a chance to make a ton of money. In fact, we're, 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 we're just trying to make sure that we can do this when we graduate, but it's just, I, I really thoroughly enjoy it. So if you perhaps, you know, Jacob and Ron, you guys at the end of your college careers had, had had this light bulb moment where you saw what was possible, you spawned into this community, the, the Lou Clancy's of the world started appearing and that kind of changed how you spent the last year or two of your college degrees, right? It's never too late to have that light bulb moment. So find find your tribe, find your people, find what it is that's going to inspire you, and then just do it. Like you, I promise. If I, I imagine a lot of your viewers are, are are Americans, and I'm I'm constantly reminded by how nuts it is to like. That's the biggest card that you could ever want to hold in your deck, like. We have infinite opportunity. Holy crap. Like, I mean, even, even so, even if you're not American, like you're alive, you're born. That's super unlikely. You like the odds that we're here right now, alive, existing are one in a, a, a gazillion. Statistically speaking, we never should have been alive in the first place. I mean, it, that's, it, that's, it depends on who your God is, but man, just go find out what you care about. Bobby Housel, everyone. That's a wrap. We will put your information in the description. If anyone wants to learn more about Founders Cupid or just get in touch with Bobby, please do. He's a wonderful human being to get in touch with. So take care, man. All respond, I promise. (laughs) Yeah.